everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks again for being a part of this journey. On this week's episode, we welcome in Dr. Harvey Castro, who is the president and co-founder of Trusted ER, and he's really someone that's you know proven the American dream. He was born and raised in Queens, New York, uh, by a single mother, and worked his way all the way up um, from delivering papers. He went to the U.S. Army. He got out. He went to you know be an emergency room medical doctor. Um, he started over like 30 companies. Um, he's even now trying to get his MBA. Um, he's also an author of the book Success Reinvention. So there's a lot of great things that he shares throughout this episode on just work ethic and continually move forward and be that lifelong learner. And I hope you guys really enjoy the conversation that Dr. Castro and I had. So without further ado, my chat today with Dr. Harvey Castro. Let's get it started. Dr. Castro, good afternoon. How are you? Good afternoon. I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining. I'm excited to chat with you a little bit about your journey and all the great stuff you're doing today. Um, I have to start off though. One of the we don't have much in common because I'm not a, a, a medical professional or anything of that nature. But I noticed we both uh, delivered papers when we were kids. I wanted yeah. to start there if I could. Yeah, um, let's start there <laughs> because you know what I'm always intrigued about is we kind of talk about your journey and how you've grown to different um, you know things in your life. I always go back. You know, I have a lot of great stories from when I deliver papers because I learned so much. Can you share that? Because I believe that was your first job um, yeah. that you actually did as a kid. Can you share a little bit about you know getting that job, how important that was for you? And and I think it was with your mother because uh, because you guys had immigrated to the U.S. Yeah. So uh, big picture, my mom had me at 16. I'm first generation American here in the United States. Uh, my very first job was with the New York Times delivering newspaper. And um, it was really interesting. I, I wanted to contribute. I wanted to help out at the household. So I thought, man, this is a great job. I can deliver newspapers. And my uh, fascinating story that I like sharing with others is um, they gave us extra papers, as you remember. And those papers were supposed to be donated to people so that you could get an extra couple of people on your route. And so uh, I know I probably shouldn't have done this, but I did. I went to the subway. And I remember that at the time it was 35 cents for a paper and I was going around selling them for 25 cents. So I would set shop right in front of the subway station and say, New York Times, 25 cents on sale. And I have a little sign. And I was able to make a couple extra bucks right before school. And then I'd head out to school. <laughs> what, do you remember like why that clicked in your head to do that when most people would probably, you know, again, try to give away for free to get some extra business down the road? Any, any remembrance of that? Oh, yeah. I, 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 it goes back to my strong why. You know, growing up, uh, we grew up in poverty. We grew up with nothing. And I remember uh, us struggling. And I was a latch kid. So I remember at age five, I had a key to my house and my mom would go to work. And I, after school, I'd walk home and open my house and feed myself and take care of myself and not tell anybody. And so at an early age, I was like, I need to do something to help my mom here because uh, she's by herself and she's a teenager. And I just remember taking that on and I thought, well, there's an opportunity to make some money and here's a chance to get a couple extra bucks. And so it's kind of weird because I think starting that way has kind of pushed me my entire life to always kind of figure out how can I start a business? How can I do something extra? How can I, I do more? And it's just kind of ingrained in now in my DNA, I feel. 
I think that's a great lesson too, because, you know, a lot of folks are so much information. We almost wait for others to make the move, right. To be able to say, Hey, you're good enough to do this or that. But I like the the fact that you just took the leap and, and the step yourself. And you said, you know what, I'm just going to figure it out and, uh, and kind of go forward. And it seems like you've done that with some other things, right. And I, I want to get into that a little bit more. Um, when did you feel that, you know, th- th- when I say this, I mean, like, especially from the medical side was your mission in life. Was there a time where you remember like, this is where I want to go and this is what I want to do with my life? Or did that come out much later? No, I remember exactly. (laughs) Ironically, it was my second job. (laughs) My second job was at a health food store in New York City. And I'll never forget my first day. Uh, The owner uh, walked me in and said, okay, I want you to memorize all these aisles. I want you to memorize all the vitamins, all the herbs, everything. And he handed me a book and said, your job is to memorize where they are and what they do for you. And so I was like, okay, I was a teenager from New York. I was 16. I said, okay, I, I'll take you up on this challenge. And I remember going home and, and studying every vitamin, trying to figure out what this did. And then I took it to the next level. Um, I remember the elderly would come in and say, hey, I need two ounces of this herb or that. And I thought, you know what, let me ask. So I would ask, uh, I'd ask grandma and say, hey, teach me on this vitamin or this herb. And they would tell me, oh yeah, I use this for back cramps or I use this for back pain or cramps or headaches. And then, so I started learning and then soon I started a business. I actually met, uh, talked to the owner a couple months in. I said, look, uh, I see the invoices here say that you make extra money if you can buy more bulk. Uh, there's a lot of items here that I know I can personally sell. And so literally all my mom's friends, family, uh, neighbors, I started selling them vitamins and I started getting it to the point where I would get every month a certain amount of vitamins that I would sell. And so I told them, hey, uh, give me a, uh, a break on the margin. I'll give my customers a break and then I can keep the rest. And he said, okay. And so that science of learning the medicine, learning the herbs is all alternative medicine. I thought, you know, I would love to do this as a doctor. And so I said, you know what? I told my mom, I'm going to be a doctor one day and I'm going to use all this knowledge of herbs and vitamins and, and now put the two worlds together and put traditional medicine and alternative medicine together. And that's what I want to do. And I did. I ended up going to med school and following my dreams and becoming a doctor. Did you have a lot of different viewpoints? Uh, because obviously the, the medical field, like doctor, like there's a whole wide range, right? Um, did you have like did you, you're an ER doctor, right? Is the kind of the, what you're mainly doing, but was there an idea of going into a different side? Like, did you tussle with that at all of, Hey, what side of the of medicine do I get on? Or did you, did you kind of have that clear cut? Uh, when I was an undergrad, I thought, I think the best place for me would be in primary care or emergency medicine. I didn't want to specialize and limit myself. I wanted to have the skill set to take care of many people and not nothing against a cardiologist or an orthopod to do a great job, but I wanted to be so general that I could take care of anything. And then when I discovered that emergency medicine was an actual uh, specialty, I thought, oh my gosh, now I can take care of everything and even better emergency people that really need you when minutes count. I want that kind of training. And so I, I think the adrenaline rush in me was like, I got to be an ER doctor. I don't want to do any kind of the medicine, but emergency medicine. Um, think on your feet, think well under pressure and stress. Um, and I just, uh, looking back, I'm like, I really, really, that's what I wanted to do. I just, uh, I, I don't see myself in a, behind a computer reading x-rays, nothing against radiologists, love them, but I, I couldn't do that for myself. I think I, I go crazy personally. <laughs> Where did you learn the skill set, though, too? Because that's a different, again, being in the ER, I have to imagine, fortunately, I haven't visited there too much. Uh, like, there's a lot going on, I'm assuming, right? And you're seeing some 
you know, some bad things. How did you mentally prepare for that? I guess, going into it? Um, Because it seems like it takes a special person to be able to do that. It does. And looking back, I started thinking about this and what a better place to grow up but New York City. And I have to uh, talk about that because it gave me the tools to understand the melting pot of the world. So when I walk in a room, I understand the different cultures and understand the sensitivities of different things that they look at and do, and even the way you speak to different cultures. And so that was the beginning of emergency medicine for me. The other part is I was in the U.S. Army, and that was really stressful and tough, mentally draining, physically draining. And um, I think that helped me understand emergency medicine and, and the stress of emergency medicine. And then for whatever reason, I've, I've always been kind of calm. I'm always just let things happen. And I just don't, I, I always tell myself if, if I'm in an emergency situation, if I panic, if I delay, if I take too long to think, then I'm hurting someone. And so the best thing I can do is learn as much as I can and be the best person. So I think my personality helped me a lot. I know some doctors um, would not be able to be an emergency medicine physician, you know, when, when literally seconds count and you're not thinking or you're not acting, you can hurt someone. And so I took that very serious. And every time I was in med school and during and after I was trying to learn my best and because I knew that someday I would need this knowledge. How important has the, you know, and, and I'll use the word patience because, you know, as you've gone through again being in the in the in the military and then going into med school, and it takes a lot of time before you know a lot of this comes to fruition. So, was that a very important to have that kind of patience, that laid back attitude of like, hey, I'm going to get there. I just got to keep putting the, you know, the 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 one foot in front of the other. I guess to use that uh, that phrasing. Yeah, you know, I, I remember at the beginning when I wanted to go to medical school and I was in undergrad thinking, oh my gosh, by the time I go through undergrad, medical school, residency, it's like, that's a long commitment. I remember stressing out thinking, oh my gosh, this is so long that I, I have so much to learn. And then I just started thinking about the bigger picture. I'm like, this is where I want to be. So if it takes a long time, that's okay. Because if I do something else and then decide I really want to do this, it's going to take even longer. And so throughout my life, I've looked at those things, especially medicine. How can I serve? How can I do more for others? Um, It wasn't until I was in med school that I really thought, yeah, this is definitely what I want to do. And the nice thing about med school, you do rotations. So I got to experience different rotations and said, oh, I I can never be an OB-GYN doctor. I can never be a radiologist, sorry. And then I went to work in the emergency room and I was like, wow, this is such an amazing place. And then, you know, the hours are 24 seven, you can work days, nights, weekends, and uh, you can almost pick your flavor. Do you want to work in a trauma center? Do you want to work in a indigent center? Like it's just different places in emergency medicine. And I thought, man, this is what I want to do when I grow up. So (laughs) that's what I was doing. What's changed a lot? I'm going to go like sidetrack here for a second. I'm going to stick on the from the medicine side for a minute. Like what's changed since you left medical school to to what it is today? Are are there one or two that you could share? Maybe it's perceptions on medicine or um, insights that uh, you've definitely seen a big shift in? That's a good one. I believe medicine has changed dramatically. I've talked to some doctors and to just name a few back when I was in medical school, we talked about telemedicine and I actually got a scholarship to do telemedicine and parts of the world. I went to Spain for a summer uh, to teach telemedicine in Spain, but it was nowhere where it is today. That is a huge paradigm shift. I run emergency room doctors now. I have about 40 doctors under me and some of them talk to me and say, hey, I wasn't trained for this and, and I can't do telemedicine. And it's interesting because they know the medicine, 
they do know how to do telemedicine. It's just they weren't trained to do it. And so one of my common things that I tell my doctors, I'm like, you need to keep up with the times. You cannot be stuck when you got through med school or residency. You got to evolve. The doctor I am today is much better than the doctor was when I just graduated or even a year ago. Um, And it's that constant evolving, changing, evolving as a person that really stands out. Um, And so if I had to look at things that have changed, I mean, obviously, there's different diseases, different treatments, but the way of uh, treating patients has even changed, uh, especially now more than ever with COVID, we're doing more telemedicine. And um, the expectations also are different from back uh, when I started uh, medical school. So the two things I would say is one, you got to keep up with the times and two, you need to change with the times. And and sadly enough, I met some doctors that are really um, tough to deal with in the sense that they don't want to change with the times. And I think with the environment being so strong saying, hey, this is where medicine's going, they're having to adapt. And so one of the key features for any profession, I think, is the ability to adapt with your environment. Is it they're prescribing similar things that they did years ago or is it like what do you feel like they're they're kind of teaching the old dog new tricks like they're having a hard time doing that yeah that's actually a good question for example uh, i've had some doctors that are older and they're not used to typing and so some of their shifts they've either had to hire somebody or i know some doctors that have hired other patient uh, other scribes to help them because they can't type um, they type with two fingers and takes them a while and they can't keep up uh, with the laws now. They're pushing for us to have electronic medical records and it's a requirement. And some of the older doctors are having a hard time just with the keyboard. Um, other parts of it is simple stuff, even uh, texting. So, um, there's a secure way of texting other doctors that is HIPAA compliant and letting other doctors know that, hey, we have a patient here, you know, X, Y, and Z, and, and they're having trouble adapting to technology. Simple this conversation on Zoom. It's an excellent example. Um, Some doctors that I know have a really hard time just getting onto Zoom and getting on the internet. And so it's been quite interesting to to see all these simple things that for some doctors, it's it's really tough because they're not used to this technology. Yeah. Would you say, and maybe it's part of the answer you just gave, but, you know, I'm curious if I transition a little bit, because you could have been an ER doctor, kind of had the staff like you're doing and just been fine, right? None the, no one would be, no one would have fault you at all. But you've started a lot of businesses as well. And uh, so I'm curious, what's the motivators going that direction? I think the one, the big one is, is it trusted? Um, trusted ER. Trusted ER, right. So hey, tell me a little about the genesis of that. When did that idea kind of spawn in your mind that you wanted to go that direction? And, and maybe share a little about what that is for, for folks that aren't yeah. familiar. So trusted ER is a freestanding ER here in uh, Dallas, Texas. We have about, we have seven of them, one of which is a hospital. In the state of Texas, you're allowed to have just an emergency room. For example, you can cut out the emergency room that you've ever been to and drop it in suburban America. And so these facilities have the license to take care of patients. We're open 24-7. We have CAT scans. We can intubate. We can take care of heart attacks, um, deliver babies, you name it. We can do it. So back in the day, I was working at a regular hospital, and I remember vividly seeing, we saw 90 patients that night, and I was by myself thinking, this is not medicine. This this is, uh, they just want me to push, 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 and, and this is not what I signed up for. And then I remember being called into the principal's office and the administrator telling me, hey, you're spending too much time with your patients. And I'm like, well, I'm, I'm seeing average as everybody else. They're like, yeah, but we've seen you, and we think you can push even faster. And I'm like, well, I don't feel that that's medicine. I think that's just, you're just counting people, but you're not counting patient experience. 
And so I remember being told, you need to order less CAT scans, you need to hurry up with your patients, and you need to keep moving. And I remember telling myself, you know what, this, this isn't for me. This is not why I signed up for to be a doctor. And so ironically, my current business partner, she's a nurse. And I told her, I said, you know, one day we're going to be able to have our own ER. And I, I, at first, I said it kind of jokingly. And then fast forward, um, I want to say it was like four or five years later, we brought, bought our first emergency room together. And we put everything we wanted to do in that emergency room as far as how we wanted to take care of patients, how we wanted the patient experience to be like. Mm -hmm. And we looked at all the errors from the big hospital systems and what people don't like. And we turned around and said, this is something that we created called Trusted ER. And this entity is the way we practice medicine. We call it the trusted way. Um, and believe it or not, a lot of patients, when they come, they're just like, wow, this blows me away. This place is amazing. And we've also had to teach our, our staff and our, I call them staff, our team. We sit down with them and say, hey, this is how we talk to patients. This is how we treat patients. This is the way we do business. Um, and it's interesting because a lot of them want to go to that hospital mentality and this is how we do business. But we're like saying, no, wait, we do business a little bit different and this is how we do it. Uh, if you go on our Google reviews, the reviews are really good because of the patient experience. It's amazing. You're just spending more time with them. You're caring, right? I mean, yeah. it's just, I guess, yeah. in the simple terms. Um, it is. And I, and I think, you know, I, again, I, I'm probably diving into a territory I'm not as well versed in and, and trying to educate myself more. But, you know, I see this a lot or you, know, you hear this on various podcasts or whatever, that when you do spend time with folks more and you give them a little bit more of that, you know, the, the TLC, it helps them almost reshape not only mentally, uh, but also maybe a direction instead of just, hey, take this pill and be gone, right? Being able to give them more time, they can actually see the benefit of maybe maybe it's diet, right? Or maybe it's exercise or there's other things besides just popping a pill, right? Would you agree with that or? Oh my gosh, yeah. Uh, we talk about this all the time. Us giving a prescription to a patient, that piece of paper doesn't make you better. It doesn't make you any feeling any better, but taking time with the patient, giving them medicine right there in the ER, watching them, observing them, teaching them, that is what will make someone better. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, our healthcare system, and now more than ever with COVID, the ERs have been overrun, they're busy, and they have uh, some some hospital systems have looked at this as get them in, get them out. And I trust that we're taking time, and that time is crucial with our patients, and it's making a huge difference. Yeah. Well, I want you to share a little bit more of the four to five years, because that's a long time. You know, we, we always see the before and after, and sometimes we forget about the grind that went through. Are there any stories you can share in those four to five years of actually setting up uh, oh Trusted ER? Maybe, maybe yes. some things that other folks getting started might, uh, might be able to learn from? You know, it was a lot of work. Uh, I literally had two jobs. One job was uh, being near doctor for another company full-time, and then my other job was with Trusted. And so simultaneously, I was doing both. And I remember looking back, I, I, I honestly don't know how I did it. Uh, I just worked a lot of hours. Um, but I think the main thing is, and I always talk about the why. You need to ask yourself, why are you doing all this? Why are you pushing yourself? If you know what your why is, I think that is the engine and that's the fuel to your engine that'll push you to move forward. And so some of the things I can share is I had a strong why because I wanted to do more for myself and more for others. And I wanted to create something that was special in healthcare and that's trusted ER. So that 
gave me the energy to keep pushing. Um, and sometimes I, I looking back, I can't believe I didn't even sleep and I worked pretty much all the time. So, um, but it was worth it. Um, that strong why that pushed me because I knew I was going to help somebody. I was going to help a patient. And, and in the bigger picture, I knew that this healthcare system that we were trying to create was going to be amazing. Um, and in a short amount of time, we went from zero to eight. Right now we're about to open our eighth uh, emergency room. So, it's, 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 but it's that passion. It's that why that got us here. Was there anything that potentially could have happened that like, were there regulations or something where it almost didn't happen at all? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, at the beginning we had, uh, different, uh, investors and they'd say they would invest. And then last minute they're like, Oh wait, we don't have money right now. And, and then you're like, well, we're at closing and we are about to close this. So if you're not going to fund this, then we need to move somewhere else. And sometimes it looked bad, like, okay, this may not be funded today, or this, this deal may go to someone else now. Um, and then there was times where it's stressful. Um, as far as the regulation and how to run the business, we've been blessed in that we were consultants for other companies before we started our own company. So we kind of already knew what we were getting into. Um, but there's always curveballs and everything you do, and there's always obstacles. And the key is when an obstacle hits you, how do you get up and how do you address it? And it's okay to fail. The main thing is when you fail, learn from your mistakes. I always tell that to my colleagues. It's like, you know, don't beat up, don't beat yourself up because you failed. Actually look at why you failed. And then the next time around, see how you can make that better and learn from your failures. Yeah. All right. So I got to ask though, what's, what's a mistake you've made that you're like, oh crap, at least I learned from it. Where, where, where can you share or take us? <laughs> Self-diagnose. Um, that's a hard one. Um, I think the medicine in me makes it harder for me to be a business person. And I'll explain. I inherently believe the best in everyone. I inherently believe that they're being truthful and helpful. And in the business world, I've met some people that are looking at the numbers and they're quicker to judge and, and make a buck than to look at the bigger picture. And so for me, that was a lesson that I learned that uh, in medicine, I need to take off the medicine hat at times and, and look at it also as from a business point of view, but see how I can make this a win-win. Um, so I learned the hard way um, being taken advantage of at times in certain contracts and certain things. The other part of it is they see the MD and they're like, okay, well, you get the doctor price. Uh, that's the price. And then my business partner would ask for the same thing and she'd get, she's not a doctor and she would get the non-doctor price. And I'm like, it's the same service. What's the difference? Well, you're a doctor and you get the doctor price. So, you know, those are things that I didn't realize that were out there. I thought everybody were equal, the same, but you know, I'm learning. <laughs> so those are some early mistakes that I've made. Now, are you in like running the business or are you kind of, are you on more of the, the, the doctor, the medical side that you stick? How, how do you split duties? How do, how do you break up the team? Um, yeah. So my business partner and I, she has a master's in business and she is working on the administration part of it. Um, I'm enjoying the medicine. So I'm spending more time with the medical directors, teaching the way to take care of patients, the medical part of it. And so we split it up where I'm the medical person and she's the business person. Um, so it's been a great um, division of power in that I'm working with the doctors and the culture and how can we make this patient experience amazing and what kind of things can we do as a business and then she's focusing on okay let me look at this contract and you know is this a good contract or not or let's look at this budget and, and, and it's it's a great uh, business partner because she compliments me with that said I went back to school and in December I graduate with my master's in business administration and so it's me trying to improve myself and, and learn more of the business side of things and, and use that with my medicine. How do you have time to get your master's? Man, you got a lot, <laughs> you got yeah. a lot of stuff going on. 
It's uh, it's something I know it sounds crazy, but it was on my bucket list. I said, I want to get my medical degree. I want to get my MBA. And then this was when I was 18. I wanted to get my law degree. And so um, I told myself that I was going to do this. I found a program that's specific for physicians. Hmm. Everyone in my class are physicians that are trying to get their MBA. So I graduated in December and it's been a lot of work. Uh, we, We do a lot of projects. We meet every week, uh, lots of assignments, and I have to go to class like everybody else. And it, it's a lot of work. <laughs> so as soon as I graduate, I'm going to be excited to have my weekends back uh, come next year. How are, I, I guess that's a good maybe area to sit on from a prioritization standpoint. Like how do you manage your, what does a day look like for you? Are there certain habits you've instilled to be able to tackle everything but not burn yourself out? Excellent question. Yes. Um, every single day I act as if it's my last day of being alive. And so every single day, no matter how tired I am, no matter what I'm doing, I make sure that I carve out a piece of the day for just me. It may not be, you know, an hour, maybe something 15 minutes, but I make it a point to make sure if it's the weather's great, go for a walk, see the sunset, uh, live outside the outdoors. I just love breathing the being outside because as an ER doctor, I'm always stuck inside and there's no windows half the time. Uh, but when you're outside, it just seems so liberating to me. So I make sure that I do that every day. And then I force myself on Sundays. I'm like, this is a day of rest. And I try myself to do something. Sometimes I catch myself uh, doing work on Sundays, but I try my best to say, no, this is my day. This is my day to spend with family or whatever needs to be done, but this is a special day. So um, it's just constantly prioritizing what's important. Uh, I think at the when I was doing Trusted and starting the company, I didn't have a balance. It was just work every single day. And I pushed really hard. And looking back, I'm, I don't know how I did it. Uh, but now um, I'm able to prioritize and make sure I always make time for myself. I think it's so important. Yeah. I want to chat a little bit about this book, uh, Success Reinvention, right? Mm-hmm. Is that now? Is that that's coming out here very soon, right? Oh, it's out. I got oh, it. it's out. The audio, maybe it's the audio, but the uh, the audible yeah. version. The audible version is uh, they're approving it because of COVID. They said it would take a while, so I'm thinking late September, early October. But the Kindle okay. edition is out. Oh, nice. So I'm excited. I know <laughs> 2020 has been a crazy year. I told myself this is the year I'm going to publish this. I've been working on this for about five years, and then I told myself in December, no matter what, this is going to be uh, going to publication this year. So I, I spoke with the publisher. We've been going back and forth on the chapters, and then finally we we finished. And and basically this goal of uh, this book, Success for Invention, goes back to my why, goes back to my childhood. The reason I wrote this book is for other mothers, just like my mom, other kids out there, just like me, um, and then just kind of go through the different stories of what has happened to me throughout my life and how I succeeded and, and the different things that I think you need to succeed. And so I went chapter by chapter saying, hey, these are the things, and here's a chapter summary, here's a uh, chapter exercise. And my goal was if I can help one person out there then let's say I'm helping another mom like my mom and then she's improving and gets a better job or starts her own business. Then she's helping that kid, which is me and which was me back in the day. And then now this individual is helping her kid or her son or either one. Um, And now it's doing something more. And so this book to me means more of just helping others. I gave it to my kids and I asked each child said, Hey, please read this uh, every 10 years. Cause every time you read it, something will look differently because you're in a different environment right now. Mm. So it's, it's been fun. It's been a lot of fun. When did you, did you always want to write a book then or 
Yes. I'm, I'm very ambitious. <laughs> I've, always like wanted, I've always wanted to write a book. Um, I've always uh, had this passion to serve. And so I'm trying to figure out how can I still serve and help people um, and, and meet my goals. And one of them was this book. Um, so this book was something that I just wanted to go back and give stories. Uh, I didn't realize until I started writing the book how many stories I have of how many things have happened. But I think when you um, talk to people that are entrepreneurs or start businesses, you'll notice that all of them have a common theme and a lot of them have a strong why. Something happened to them as a kid or something happened in their situation in their life or they got divorced, something big. And that's why they're pushing so hard for that next level or whatever it is that they're pushing for that dream. And so the book, I literally went down and just tried to carve out what are the things that made me successful. And I shared a lot of interesting stories in there. When I was a kid, I was kidnapped. And I talk about when I was kidnapped as a child. And you, know, you were kidnapped? <laughs> I was kidnapped as a child. It's crazy. Um, long story short, my dad wasn't in the picture. Um, when I was five, he called my mom and said, I'd like to see my son. So he picked me up, got me in the car and said, you'll never see your mom again. And we got home, he shaved my head and said, you're going to a different school. We're going to change your identity. No one will know who you are. And your mom told me she doesn't want to see you again. And so I was just devastated. I was like, what do you mean, my mom? You know, that's all I've known. And this guy to me was a stranger. And so um, for six months, my mom went up and down New York City at all the uh, elementary schools looking for me when kids went to school during their break, during their lunch. She changed her job so that she could be able to look for me Monday through Friday and I said to her, why didn't you just go to the cops? And she says, honestly, I did. I went multiple times. And they kept saying, you're with your father. And, and legally at that time, it wasn't uh, illegal to steal your son because you're with the father. And I said, wow, that must have been horrible for you to, to go up and down the streets. And so long story short, I have the scar on my left hand from um, the struggle that happened. My stepmom at the time was holding my hand. I saw my mom from a distance and she's like Harvey and I, I kind of broke down. I couldn't believe that it was my mom. And so there was this tug of war and she dug her nails into my hand and made me bleed. And uh, I will never forget, she, her, my mom's best friend, uh, boyfriend had an 18 wheeler. He took the hitch out and it was just a big uh, truck. And I remember her picking me up, throwing me in the truck and just jetting saying, okay, we gotta go. Um, Cause if your dad finds you, he's gonna try to take you again. So I remember, for the rest of my life growing up, just being fearful that my dad would take me. And he was abusive. It wasn't like a, a fun time go with dad. It was not, it was not fun. So wow. one of the, that's one crazy. Of my wives, <laughs> one of my strong wives that keeps pushing me to just move forward. Yeah. I mean, it seems like, cause at the end of the day, right. You could have quit a lot of different times, but yeah, you just keep, you, you have this kind of, I don't even know what you would call it because it's, it's, very um i'm trying to think of the word even i'm at a loss for words it's intriguing because you don't meet a lot of folks like you that have this continue to drive to do a million things yeah so it's really I cool i know, enjoy to, thank you i i really enjoy what i'm doing i enjoy coming up with ideas and helping and it just it gets me an adrenaline rush to do stuff i i, I tell my kids all the time i think i'd go nuts if i was in a nursing home by myself or just not doing anything or on vacation uh, one of the common jokes with my kids is uh, you'll find your dad in a nursing home helping other patients going into their rooms prescribing helping them you know being the doctor in the nursing home that's what i'll probably end up doing I, i'm not going to stop i'm going to keep helping and keep doing stuff you just feel like you can't sit still then is it just I like can't. always moving I can. I, I have a hard time when I go on vacation. I enjoy vacation. I love going places, but I know that by three day, day three or four, I'm like, all right, I got to go. I got to do something. I, I got to keep doing stuff. I, 
I get bored <laughs> and I try, I try to do different things and hobbies and keep myself busy, but I, I really enjoy what I do. I, I almost say it's not really work when you love it, uh, mm-hmm. when you enjoy what you're doing. It's, it's, you know, I find myself working on stuff, writing on the book, or I'm writing on the second book right now and I'm actually enjoying it. This is fun. It's uh, I feel like I'm just doing something and I know fast forward in the future, somebody will get it and say, wow, this, this was really helpful. And to me, that's, that's worth gold. Yeah. Is there a certain writing process you're using for the book, for this new book or no, just, just kind of writing when you have time or yeah. Writing when I have time, the best part is just, you need to get into habit. So I have a book by my bed and I just write notes. And then um, when I have time, I'll go by a computer and then just transfer everything onto a, a OneDrive. that way, excuse me, if I'm on my phone, if I'm on a plane, it's on my everywhere. And that way I can just continually edit this book. Are you doing all the editing or do you have an editor that's like checking and, you know, once you no, get to I a do. certain point? I or? No, I, I definitely do um, have someone that will go through an editor and will publish and fix it. I'm just really OCD. I'm trying to make sure that I, I do my best right. so that they're not having to spend time just on the grammar or help me or fixing. But um, it's just also a pride. I think part of me also wants to do my best in, in writing and, and I have a hard time. Sometimes I do a lot of run on sentence and like, all right, it's back to grade school here. I need to start working on this. And it's just a challenge for myself um, to see how much I can submit and still get it back. And it wasn't really changed much. So. Yeah. What's this next book about if I may ask? Yeah. The next one is about work. Uh, I want to work on different skill sets for people, what they need to do to accomplish their goals at work. And being on both sides of the fence, I can see why certain people do better than others. And so I want to sit down and write down all the skill sets, all the reasons why, why they get promoted, why this other person does not. And that's going to be my goal. So it's going to be kind of success reinvention, but for work. And so let's reinvent yourself, but in the workplace. Is there one, I'm going to, I'm going to try to get out of here. Is there one skill that you could share for folks out there? Maybe they can start thinking about uh, that maybe they wouldn't have before. You know, I think it's important to look at it from the um, position that you're, let's say I'm working for company X. It's important to read that mission statement. What are the goals for the company? What it is that is um, that company looking for? Because if you're just going and working, but if you understand what the mission is for the company, then you're more likely to assimilate in the culture. You're more likely to do things without being asked. Some of the basic stuff that I'm realizing is just being on time to work. Um, You know, a lot of people, and and this goes to the different generations out there, you know, some people, um, the younger population looks at it as, I don't necessarily have to be at work. I could be at home. I could work from home. The older population looks at it as, well, no, I need to be at work and I need to push hours and and this is it. So I'm having fun writing the book, just looking at the different psychologies and how can I help Generation X versus help someone in a different generation and help them get to that point. And so it's kind of hard to answer what, what pearls I need to think. I think um, it might be too early. I don't know. I don't. Yeah. I got a lot of stuff in my head that I'm, I'm drilling. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it is interesting though, with the whole pandemic going on um, is just how folks are thrust into the remote work environment that maybe not had, you know, before. So just that dynamic of having to learn to work remote, having to work without hearing your peers around you and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. I find it, I find it fascinating, this zoom and and using the internet. And, you know, I've been blessed this year. I've been on TV probably over 70 times on the different TV stations, uh, Univision, Telemundo, NBC. And from when I first started to now I've changed things up. Um, I've worked on the camera angle, the lighting in the room, sound, uh, so many things. So now when they call me to be on TV, it's, it looks a lot better and it sounds a lot better. And it's, and I know what they're looking for versus at the beginning, I, 
didn't have that much experience. Yeah. Well, that's part that's part of the process, right? Which is good. Hey, let me ask you this. So, and maybe we'll kind of end on this point here, but yeah. I'm curious, obviously a lot of great lessons you've learned in your life. I want you to, you have to go back. Let's go back to the, uh, you know, the paper carrier or maybe you can go yeah. a little bit older if you want, but if you could impact one piece of advice and, and the fun part is you only have a post-it note to write it on. So very small, quick, concise to that individual. Um, what would you say to them? Don't give up. Do not give up. Um, learn from your mistakes and don't give up. It's pretty simple. I see a lot of people that make a mistake and then they're scared to move forward. They're scared to start that business or they, they got burned and they're like, oh, I'm never going to do that again. I've been cursed or just as bad luck. And I think if you just don't give up and you keep um, going forward, I think it makes a huge difference. I know I've failed a million times and I'm not um, shy of sharing it. I'm, I've messed up. I've made mistakes. But I think the key is moving forward and how I learn from my mistakes and can I do better and can I be a better person? And I think never give up is a great analogy. Just keep going. Just always keep working. Be smart about it, but just keep going forward. And, and how can folks, I, I guess, apply that if they do have that hurdle, but they feel like, well, it's just easier to quit. Is there some practice they can do? Is it a reflection or, you know, self-awareness, some, something like that that they could take? Because I feel like that conversation, you know, is happening a lot in everyone's head and it's easier sometimes to just give up. But you know, yes. how do you push forward, right? Because maybe someone doesn't always have the the mentality that you do, right? Of just like you're grinding going forward, you know? Yeah. That's a good question. I, I look at it as, as, as two parts. Part number one is you need to meditate. Why did you mess up? What happened? Analyze it. And then I think it's important to have a business partner that compliments you, not someone that's your twin that can be just like you. You need someone that can compliment you. Um, sometimes uh, some of the reasons that I failed was I needed X or Y skill set. And so I carefully picked my business partner to make sure she had certain qualities that I did not have. And she carefully picked me because I have certain qualities that she does not have. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we're going to try to beat each other and, and be as good as the other. But as long as we both can complement each other, that's the key. And I think that's another part to this business success. Some people try to do it all on their own and they fail and they wonder why but maybe they just didn't have the expertise in X and Y and they needed a business partner. And so meditate, self-reflect is important, but then see if there's someone that maybe would have helped you out. Just like marriage, you kind of, you'll marry someone that'll compliment you. Same thing with business. You want to make sure you have a business partner that will compliment you. Yeah. And it also goes back to like support systems, right? If you're, you know, your, your partner there was, didn't work out to be good or vice versa, right? You know, a business would go down and, and, you know, it'd be in, uh, it'd kind of crumble. But the fact that you have a support system, it seems like, and you guys take care of each other, it only going to make the uh, the business succeed, right? Yeah, it does. And, I, and, and it's good to have equal goals. Uh, my business partner truly wants the best for patients and I do the same. And so it's nice, it's nice not having a partner that's fighting me all the time saying, hey, we need to do X, Y, and Z. It's nice that we're both on the same page, yet different enough on skill set side that we can complement each other. Because I've had, uh, I've seen other businesses where the business partners are always at odds and can't get along and it, it hurts the business because they, if, they, if both leaders are not sure which direction to go, then how can the rest of the company follow? Yeah. That's a great point. Uh, Dr. Crasper, this is, this is awesome. I'm certainly appreciative. I know we jumped around a lot on a variety yeah. of topics, but it's always fun to kind of uh, learn a little bit more about your journey and, and kind of what inspires you. So thank you so much for uh, taking time out on, on the podcast today. 
I appreciate you guys. And if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn or different social medias. Absolutely. And we'll put everything in the show notes and uh, look forward to people connecting with you further on there. Awesome. Thank you. Have a great day. I hope you all enjoyed that interview and thanks again for stopping by. And just one more quick thing before you run along on your day. You know, this podcast has grown very organically since I started it over two and a half years ago. So anything you can do to share this episode out to your network or maybe go to Apple Podcast and leave a rating and a review, um, anything you can do at all, I'd certainly be appreciative of it. Um, if you'd like to connect with me online, my website, brianondraco.com, or head over to Instagram or LinkedIn and Twitter, at Brian Andreco, or type my name, Brian Andreco, and it'll come up. I hope you all have a great day, a phenomenal week, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.